Bienvenidos a Nuestro South. A place for nuestra gente, our people. We're here to share our history and experience as Southerners in the United States. Our stories haven't been taught in school. Now, we control the narrative. This is for us, y'all. Imagine Charlotte, North Carolina in the 1990s, the second largest city in Nuestro South. The economy is booming like never before, construction and service workers are in high demand. Compared to other big cities like New York, Los Angeles, or Miami, the sprawling Queen City offered a much lower cost of living. It was a time when a passport, or matricula consular, was the only identification you needed to attain a driver's license and the Republican mayor invited Nuestra Gente to relocate with open arms. Meanwhile, factories just outside of the suburbs in places like Union County, southeast of Charlotte, were also benefiting from the growing labor force. In the year 2000, Union County was 90% white. It was a time when newly constructed homes were sprouting quickly throughout the county. As the new homes were sold, then came the businesses and schools designed to support white middle-class families. A young single Mexicana, let's call her Mercedes, came to Indian Trail, a bedroom community in Union County. At first, all of her time was spent working. She sliced wood in a lumber mill during the day, and in time, she found herself in a relationship. They had a daughter and named her Jacqueline. The family lived in an old trailer park adjacent to the new planned communities. Soon after Jacqueline was born, anti-immigrant sentiment began to take hold. Fanned by TV pundits on 24-hour news, conservative lawmakers led a charge to prevent immigrants from obtaining driver's licenses. This started as a means of shortening wait times at the DMV, but later they took on an anti-immigrant vibe. Open hostility towards immigrants and the children of immigrants became more widespread, as did fear. It's much easier to avoid a hostile society when your time is spent either at work or at home. But life changes when you have children. As a mom, Mercedes now needed to entrust her daughter's safety to the people who run the schools. She was responsible for enrolling Jacqueline in high school, attending student-teacher conferences, and helping with her homework. But what happens when the schools and educators are willfully unequipped to support nuestras familias? Right, so I think um, an important point here is that there's several different stakeholders or actors involved um, in this scheme of education, immigrant parents, children of immigrants and educators. Um, and immediately um, a way that those sort of three stakeholders merge in a very concrete way is um, sort of through ESL classes. Um, the parents are obviously not necessarily there, but the students, immigrant children or children of immigrants are bringing in the language from home into the classroom and interacting with this ESL teacher or this ESL program. Me personally, um, I had experience with different types of ESL programs based on the state where I was residing. And there were some that adopted the sink or swim approach where it was kind of like, let me just fend for myself with uh, every speaking, everybody speaking English, and I'm supposed to kind of just absorb the English from the people around me. 
which sucked. Um, and then eventually I was lucky enough to transition to an ESL model that was more of a bilingual education curriculum where they put all of the ESL students in a class together. Um, and we actually had all our subjects ESL. It wasn't like an ESL classroom where you got pulled out of the classroom for 30 minutes. And that's what I largely credit um, for the academic path that I took because of that, I think, superior model of ESL education, but it was definitely, it, it differed based on school and based on um, state. That's so interesting that you mentioned that, Daisy, because even myself, uh, I, I guess coming in as, a, uh, as an immigrant myself, I had a very, I had a very different ESL experience, just I guess just because of the setting, I really don't know. And it was really interesting for me because I got the privilege to even go to um, a dual immer immersion school mm -hmm. where half of the day was in Spanish, half of the day was in English. But even when I was put very early on in an ESL program, it didn't have as many resources as, as there could have been. Me personally, like when I was put in... Um, in this classroom was with, with which by the way i think that it was at least like i don't know like four four or five students in my class but i we were put in this classroom and kind of isolated from from the rest and <laughs> very similar to you when um from the very beginning like like you're kind of put in a in a place where you have to fend for yourself and i uh, we were put in this classroom and funny enough, we were put with a teacher that knew like zero Spanish, you know, mm. and you have like all these kids only speaking Spanish and you're just like trying to communicate and you can't. So you just kind of like have to figure it out on your own. And, and it's just it it's it's mind boggling and it's funny to see it now, but just kind of recognizing how many students probably have to go through this uh, is a little bit insane to me. Yeah, um, I can mm -hmm. definitely relate to a lot of that. And I think it's like who you encounter in the spaces that can support you or who you like struggle together with that makes the difference. Uh, just so just quickly, my family, uh, we first got to New York City when we got to the US. But what happened is that I didn't start school until I came to North Carolina. So it was about seven months that I was uh, not in school, and I started in second grade. Uh, and like many young immigrant children, they're put into ESL. But the thing that really kind of helped me was essentially that I had liked school when I was in Honduras. Um, I was a little good student, and my mom <laughs> had always been a good student. Um, but coming into them, I think I remember math class was the only good one because it was like I understood the numbers and had known that earlier on. And I had found these two friends um, and I remember their names till today. And they were my friends the whole time I was in this Charlotte area. Uh, their names were Jason and Henry and they spoke Spanish. So along that time, um, the teachers were helpful. And it feels weird because like uh, my image of them was like they were so nice to me. Um, but what really helped is the fact that we actually lived in the same apartment complex as like Jason and Henry, or, or one of them was in the apartment down the road. And that helped me throughout that second grade to just become comfortable. And I do remember there were some other uh, Latino students, um, which made a whole difference. I definitely relate to um, students making a difference. Um, I grew up 
it going to schools where there was always, um, except for one school where there was always a large like um, children of immigrant population um, and Latino students um, like that spoke Spanish, although not necessarily teachers. Um, the interesting thing is though that my parents never actively made that choice of like, we're gonna put Daisy in a school where there's a lot of people that look like her or where there's people that speak the language that we speak at home, which now that I'm older and that I've gone through um, school and stuff, I see that a lot of times picking a school is a very big deal for parents that they go and like shop around for schools and look for things like who they want their kids to be surrounded by, the curriculum that schools offer. And I just reflect and think my parents never had that opportunity. It was more of like, where is there affordable housing and where are people like us um, staying? And that's where we're gonna go and then once we're there, we'll figure out what's the corresponding school. Yeah, my mom had um, one of the hardest times trying to like find schools for me, uh, just because like public schools are the only option really. And uh, her criteria was like, um, was there after school programs? Did the bus pick us up coincidentally, right? And that was just about it. Like when it came to like support from school and like things like homework, it was really all up to me, mainly because like uh, my brother wasn't doing so good in school and he was like the older one. The community that like my mom used to have like in Honduras is now like scattered across like either like North Carolina or still back in Honduras. And um, I had Sesame Street TV, anything on PBS to help me like learn how to like speak the same way my peers are speaking or like the math that like the vampire in Sesame Street would always teach. And like, while I feel like I was lucky enough to be the kind of person that sort of absorbed that very well, I, it was stressful not having like anyone to like encourage me to go in that direction past my family saying, hey, this education is valuable. We came here so you could have what we didn't, Yeah. I definitely resonate with just having to watch a lot of these shows on PBS, just like Arthur and just like, um, uh, what was it? Like Between the Lions, I think there was one of them. <laughs> just like everything, just reading. And I personally... Word girl. Word girl. <laughs> I could name like seven shows. Exactly. And I, I think that very early on, like just being in elementary school it was really hard from the very beginning just because of um just because of this pressure of just almost almost erasing a part of you by by putting all of your effort into um learning this one language and I think that after a couple of years, I think that I spent so much time just having, just wanting to erase any any sort of accent that I might have had in order to blend in a little bit more and to not have other people question me on like, oh, like where are you from? And then like have like going in this whole tangent of like where am I? Like I don't know how to how to answer that question. Like I could tell you a million answers to that, and then they'll they'll hit you with like no, but like where are, where are you really from? <laughs> And so to avoid a lot of those questions, I remember just like having to spend so much time just um, consuming so much um, 
uh, like so much media in English mainly, but I do think that some of the educators that I had that really understood like what my experience really uh, was about did help me in the long run, just making sure that I was, um, that I was in some way, shape or form like succeeding in school. Yeah, I mean, all those stories, I think, encompass a picture right kind of snapshot of what these experiences are and they you know span from when you start in kindergarten whether you start in ESR whether you're U.S. born uh children of immigrants who you know is just a student but bilingual um and up until like even if you get to college or what your opportunities afterwards are so you know today our conversation began with this story of Erendira which was the kindergarten and Jacqueline which was the third grader. They spanned 15 years, but here we are another 10 years after Jacqueline. And as young children were immigrants, their experiences within these schools were shaped by the locations of their parents and families, like Daisy was sharing, uh, in terms of where they lived, uh, but also the racial and economic dynamic that just existed across the whole South. And just to hit this home, we wanna share a little bit of example you can go to a rural county in North Carolina and have over 50% of their students be Hispanic with immigrant working class parents who are the majority of students served, but we don't have the resources to help the parents understand the system. We don't have the language translation to help support the students coming in for ESL or the parents and families to enroll their students, um, but we're supposed to be educating them, right? It's within the system that all of this converges, whether, you know, we're working in, in, in farm work, chicken plants, you know, where we have our own business, our own restaurant and things like that, that interacts with like the system that we've had to try to build. So we thank you for listening and we appreciate you engaging in this topic and we will have some more. <laughs> all the closing. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> this was for us, y'all. Perfecto. Representation matters. Nuestra gente, we want to hear from you. If this content resonates with you, be sure to hit like and subscribe.